All right, welcome in to another episode of RJ Bell's College Basketball Dream Preview, pregame.com. I'm AJ Hoffman. Griffin Warner joins me as always. Griffin, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay. It's uh, been a rough uh, couple, rough stretch for the pod, but uh, I, I, you know, I'm a positive thinker, and uh, we're gonna turn it around. It's not the pod. It's I, I've I'm probably coming off my worst week of college basketball betting in my life. Like I, I was comfortably up on the season when this last week started, and now I'm comfortably below the 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 line of demarcation. So it's it's not going well for me either. It's it's been wild, man, and I'm losing games by half points. And uh, you know, my best bet this week was LSU minus ten. They get off to about as poor of a start as you could possibly imagine, and then they come back and win by nine. And that about sums up what my season's been so far, So, or at least what my week has been. So I, I'm hoping that you know we're through the worst of it. I was 2-1 and one today, uh, so my first winning day in a little while, so I'll, I'll take it. Uh, hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Uh, and obviously your, your best bet lost as well. So we're, we're nine and 11 on the season, not where we want to be. Uh, so we're going to have to start scratching and clawing. You're, what are you an L five right now? Yeah. Uh, five in a row, uh, got off to a good start and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to, to see the positives, uh, good start to the season for me as well. And then it's kind of drifted the wrong way recently, trying to figure that out, uh, and maybe it's just a, a, a little reset for the holidays and then uh, really start getting hot uh, once Santa's uh, gone back on his sleigh. That is the hope. All right, let's get into the big games this week, the games that everybody's going to be watching. They're probably stuck with their family. Who knows what's going on this week? I don't. Uh, and I, I'll say this. I, I Keep in mind that home court advantage is huge early in the season. So we've talked about this maybe on the last episode when when teams haven't gone out on the road yet that first time out is really tough sometimes but also remember that this week in particular home home court is probably less than it normally is because a lot of students are gone it's it's christmas week it's it's just one of those weeks where you know if you've got a great home home court advantage it's probably a good one if you don't have a good home court advantage it's it's probably none so just something to keep in mind when you're uh, when you're looking at these games and there's a lot of neutral games as well uh let's start with the big east where boy there's something wrong with villanova uh we'll go with xavier plus five and a half at villanova and villanova is really interesting to me because they, they their problems I, I say ps, ps, problems. One of them is pretty typical of them. They don't have much size. That's that's not unusual. That was exploited by Creighton. It's it was exploited by Purdue. It's something that X can can exploit with with Nunji and Jerome Hunter and, and Fremantle. But the other problem is certainly new, and it's that they don't really seem like they're a very good shooting team. Which is that's a real problem for Villanova because that's all they want to do. Uh, and Ken Palm says it's not bad. So you look at his 60th nationally, 36.2%, which isn't awful, but it's if that's your entire identity, that's not good enough. And in, they're 23% from three in their last three games, and it was a really easy calculation for me because they've taken 100 threes in the last three games, and they've made 23. That ain't getting it done, and what do they get for it? They they get a close game with Syracuse, and they get two blowout losses, uh, two 20-point-plus losses, 
And they are, I mean, they, they just don't do anything inside. And this, this X team's good enough to fin in the arc to make it difficult on them. You know, Marquette played fast enough to keep it uncomfortable for the Musketeers, but that was a game, and you, you were on Marquette. It could have easily gotten away from Marquette. Like, Xavier's good. This is a good basketball team. I'm not sure I want to fade Nova in the first home game they've had in three weeks, but until I see some real changes with them, there's no way I can lay points with them right now. I, I feel you uh, on not being interested in laying that type of number based on how Villanova have, ha, has played this season. Uh, looking at their schedule, I, I mean, still a good win over Tennessee on a neutral uh, and the neutral victory over Syracuse. Maybe it's one of those things where they've challenged themselves, have figured out kind of where they're weak. But ultimately, if Villanova can't shoot, then the whole four spread around one big guy who's really not that big, uh, as you mentioned, the height discrepancy. Um, I don't really know what, where to go with Villanova. I feel like Jay Wright, I mean, was the cream of the crop for a couple of years, and, and maybe those were the peak of the Villanova program. But they had some trouble getting to the top and getting over that hump or getting over the hurdle. So it, it might be one of those times where we, we start to worry about Villanova and we start not really regarding them to be the, the top-tier program because they haven't been that for a while. Uh, I think both you and I have, have kind of led into the season expecting them to be the back into who they were um, with Colin Gillespie at the top and everyone kind of flowing out through that. Um, but I, I think the, the three-point shooting problems, that, that's a major issue because that's their style. Uh, stats are still good at th- over 36%, ranking 61st in, in the country, uh, at least from the metrics I'm looking at. And um, I, you mentioned it pretty well. Uh, back to Marquette, didn't go first half, went full game because uh, I thought the press might be an issue for Xavier. And it seemed like it was an issue for him in the first half and they really kind of solved it and took over. And honestly, I was pretty, I was sweating, uh, really worried even with a plus 10 and a half or plus 11, I think it closed, uh, that there might be a, a run late and it nearly got there. Marquette did almost all it could to not cover that spread. Uh, but Xavier, I mean, you, you got to say, if you're measuring on how these two teams have performed so far this season, Xavier's been way more impressive. Um, I still, I mean, unfortunately, I have I have plenty of bad memories of fading Villanova at home and just getting the doors blown off. So I think I'm going to be on the sidelines, but I can't fault anybody for playing on Xavier here because uh, it's a, a close ball game that they lose. You're still going to cover the spread, uh, barring some late free throws or mishaps or whatever late. Um, but I'm I'm not sure that, I'm in a position where I'm as afraid of Villanova as I was entering the season. So maybe I might look a little deeper and end up on Xavier uh, by the time this game tips off. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that's where I end up as well. All right, let's look at a battle of uh, a couple of my darlings here. Arizona at Tennessee. We'll go ahead and project Tennessee as a two-point favorite. And obviously I've got feels on both these teams, so I guess I'll lead it off. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the teams that have beat Tennessee have both been snails. Like it, the Nova, Texas Tech, th- those are the teams that they've lost to, and it, they just they slow it down. They they made it an ugly game. Arizona's the opposite. They are going to run, and it will be interesting to see how Rick Barnes responds to that. And I think the real problem Tennessee has here is that Fulkerson is going to have his hands full. And often he gets to kind of bully things, and that's not going to be the case against Arizona. Arizona's got three guys that are 6'11 or taller, 
And I think Tennessee is going to have some problems matching up down low. And having those guys in the paint has made it easier for the wings to extend on the perimeter defensively. Uh, ben Maturin and, and Dale and Terry both getting hands and faces. They're forcing bad passes. And that's something the Cats didn't do with Sean Miller. They didn't extend that way, and even though these are all Sean Miller recruits, by the way. I think what it boils down to for Tennessee in this game is if they can, you know, hit double digit threes like Illinois and Wichita did, then they can hang around. By the way, Illinois and Wichita hit double digit threes and still lost. But I, I mean, I think the Vols could hang around if they can do that. The problem is four matchups against high major competition, they've hit better than 25% of their threes one time. Arizona's already played some tough road games. They played at Oregon State. They played at Illinois. So this isn't the first taste of the road for this young team. I'm I'm leaning pretty heavy to the Cats here. You want to talk me off of it? It's going to be hard for me to do that. Uh, I think if you're looking to to back Tennessee here, I, I wonder why you're feeling that way. Because or, or I'd ask you to to look deeper into Arizona. Uh, doesn't seem to be a problem for you, AJ, but. Uh, I think most people would look at Tennessee at home based on their really strong home court advantage and their ability to play really good defense. And the best place that they're going to make shots is likely at home. Problem is, I just don't know how to believe that Tennessee will make three pointers consistently. Um, it's really hard to say that they will after watching what I made my eyes bleed uh, at MSG against Texas Tech in the Jimmy V Classic. Uh, and I feel like I've, I've seen that happen from Tennessee. We, we thought coming into this year that they would have a lot more depth in, in the shooting department, but that seems to kind of come and go with this team unlike any other. And I don't really know why that is other than Rick Barnes. I've watched plenty of uh, poor shooting performances when he's on the sidelines. I, I think it's not really his fault. And, and I, that's probably unfair to say. I think he's really a defensive guy and then it's up to the player to do their their own offensive and make their shots and for some reason that doesn't seem to be a, a, a good good thing for them or it doesn't seem to be as consistent as it, as it should be I think the best case for that to happen is at home in Knoxville I I think unfortunately missing having the game canceled uh, with Memphis due to COVID in the Memphis program was a big problem because that would have set them up with some good experience against length and athleticism, which I think is going to be an issue for them here. Arizona, as you mentioned, are, are very tall or is very tall and have a ton of players that are going to make it really hard for Tennessee to get any points inside. And I'm just worried that this is going to co come down to one of those games where Tennessee is going to have to make a lot of perimeter shots. And we've seen so many times them struggle with that, that any, any sort of point spread uh, or underdog play, I mean, it's it's scary for me to want to go against Tennessee in, in Knoxville because that is a serious lion's den. Um, but but based on how they've been shooting, I, I can't blame you for leaning Arizona. All right, let's look at an ACC matchup. Virginia Tech will project plus seven at Duke. Go ahead and take the lead on this one. Sure. Uh, pretty impressed by what I've seen for for Virginia Tech. I got to say, uh, took St. Bonaventure against them uh, with Kyle Lofton, their point guard, coming back. Uh, oh, I actually, I was in tech this week, so we, you get you gave me some money. I'll take I'm it. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody <laughs> won from that one because uh, it's not too often that I'm watching a game where my team's down forty. I try to avoid those, um, but yeah, uh, you know, it kind of shook me for the rest of the day, and it kept me off the rest of the night where I think I would have gone perfect, which was very disappointing. But uh, ultimately, that's kind of how this my season's gone so far, and I and I think Virginia Tech have been. I've been on the wrong side of them a couple times so far. 
Uh, they've been getting a ton of respect from odds makers. Uh, can you remind me what what are you proje- what is the uh, AJ Swami projecting? The plus seven on Virginia Tech. Plus seven. So I mean that's a big number for Duke to lay right now. I, I think there's still question marks about who who Duke really is. Uh, they got a really young team and the transition from coach K to John Shire is, is underway. looks like that's going pretty smoothly, at least from what I've seen so far. Uh, but Virginia tech under Mike young have, have really looked like the Wofford teams that he was running that were really good from the three point line, but they're so good defensively. And really they, what I would, honestly, I, I'm worried about St. Bonaventure and what Virginia Tech just did to them because Virginia Tech basically won at Maryland and then Mark Turgeon basically quit. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I hope Mark Schmidt's not going to do that from St. Bonaventure because that's like the best team he's ever had. But their perimeter defense and the the pressure that they put on, on the opposing offense, they literally just choked St. Bonaventure, a team of veteran a really veteran team that I, I think could, could do some damage in the tournament if they can score enough. And that makes me really worried about the collective psyche of Duke when Virginia Tech gets in there and really tries to pressure. Uh, I, I do worry a little bit about Virginia Tech inside and, and how they kind of how they score against Mark Williams, who I think is a, a shot eraser. Uh, Cameron Indoor is a house of horrors if you're going to go in there back underdogs. But ultimately, Virginia Tech, they're going to play a really tough game. I think they're going to make it really hard on Duke offensively. And if they can make three point shots, I, I wouldn't be shocked that they could win at Cameron. I, I, I know that's something that's crazy to say, especially with a seven point underdog that you're looking at. But uh, ultimately, I, I'm pretty impressed by what I've seen for Virginia Tech. I worry a little bit about athleticism with them, and that could be an issue against Duke because they have a ton of stud athletes. Uh, but Virginia Tech plays the, w- the way you want you to, really really stiff, uh, in-your-face defense and a bunch of three-point shooters, which is a scary thing to play against, especially if you're laying seven. Yeah, I think the, the physicality is kind of what keeps me off. Like you said, the athleticism, I guess that's a, a, a maybe a better word for it. But the way that – and really what I saw is the blueprint to beating this Duke team is what Ohio State did, and they just kind of punked them out physically. And – I, I certainly don't think Virginia Tech has the, the bodies to do that. Uh, I, I just think that they are it, defensively. It's not. It's not that. I mean, uh, the, they they do pressure the ball really well. My question is, who's who are they going to stop once the ball gets inside? How are they going to get stops inside? I don't know that they can do it. And then the other thing is, how are they going to score? I mean, I guess they're going to just shoot a bunch of threes. And you know what? If, if they make a ton of threes, if they go off, then they can probably beat about anybody. But when you've got one way to beat this Duke team, eh, I don't know. The the Hokies, in all four of their losses this year, they've been out-rebounded. They've been just physically kind of pushed around. And then Duke's not a great rebounding team either. But after the South Carolina State and App State games, like South Carolina State had like 20-something offensive rebounds against Duke. And Coach K was pissed. He's like, they they – they dominated both those games and coach K afterwards was still bitching about rebounding. We've got a rebound. We've got a rebound. So then they get that sort of thrown together game against Elon and they just completely dominated the glass. Not, not the way that you would expect Duke to dominate Elon, but like Elon had five offensive rebounds the entire game. Elon had two second chance points. Uh, that that's domination. So again, if tech goes off from three, then cool they then they probably get you i i maybe right before christmas you catch cameron in a, in a dead spot i don't know 
I'm not going against Duke here. I don't know that I'll play on Duke at seven. It's it's a big number, like you said, but I I don't have an appetite for Virginia Tech against this team, uh, yeah, especially I mean, considering their losses have come against you know the, their better competition, and this is the best one yet. I, I don't think that Cameron's a uh, or excuse me, I think Cameron Indoor Stadium is a perfect place uh, over the holidays to be completely full and to uh, really make things happen. So unfortunately, I don't know if it's, I, I think you're right in, in hesitating or, or warning people about potentially home court not being as meaningful right now. I think that place is always meaningful. And ultimately, I'm not really sure that I want to be on a team that's going to be reliant on three-point shots heading into Cameron Indoor. So I think you're right. I think the number is probably big enough that would tempt some people. Uh, but I, I've kind of learned my lesson at Cameron Indoor to stay away from that. All right, let's look at Drake against St. Louis. This is going to be played over here in Las Vegas. And this is a game where I, I couldn't really come up with a, a super strong handicap one way or the other. I, I like both these teams. I don't love either one of them. But this game, what I've noticed about St. Louis is this game goes as their games go as Yuri Collins goes. And he has we talk about struggling with physicality. Yuri Collins struggles with physicality. When when you start putting him under pressure, he will give the ball away. And in this case, not having Roman Penn available for Drake, and instead they're starting the much bigger Garrett Sturts, that could be a help for the Bulldogs here. Uh, Slew's going to be much more physical overall, and it's it's really hard to picture Drake even slowing them down on the offensive glass. But I I just don't have a great feel for either of these teams. I guess if I had to, I'd probably lean with the Billikens here. So you have anything strong on this one? Uh, give me the number if you can. Well, pick them. Yeah, I, I think uh, on a neutral, really tough to say. Uh, I think Drake really, they've shown without Penn that they've been a lot more uh, I think they're a lot easier to beat without, without Roman Penn. And I think they're one of those teams that um, unfortunately I, I don't really have a ton of, of insight into how they really do, have done what they've done over the past couple of seasons. I feel like they built up a really huge record last season and then really struggled uh, once injuries hit, then kind of the, the replacement point guard left uh, Yusef, who I think went to, to, to Kansas. And so um, SLU, they, they've, Honestly, I've been on the wrong side of them a couple times so far this season, and both the times felt like I was on the right side against them and, or, or on them and, and lost both ways. Um, they're, to me, Travis Ford has, has had a lot of naysayers about his coaching ability, uh, but Yuri Collins, you mentioned, is, is a really strong, strong player. And I think uh, St. Louis has kind of changed into a team that does have a little bit more dynamism offensively. They, they can shoot the three, which is something that was like, unheard of for them in the past, but I feel like their defense has gotten weaker. And, and so that would make them a little bit more susceptible to Drake making some shots and then kind of putting up a lead and then St. Louis struggling really to, to come back. But I watched them do that against Boise State coming back from the kind of the dead. And then I also watched them blow a big lead against Belmont uh, because they couldn't get any stops inside. It couldn't score down the stretch. Yep. I, I think they're one of those teams that I, I'm still trying to figure out. I, I think they do have some talent there and they're someone that I'd probably look to in this matchup if they end up closing an underdog. But, you know, it, it's it's tough to call, especially on a neutral court, because I feel like those type of situations, if you have the right side, it seems to be right right away and you don't really need to worry about it, uh, a la Virginia Tech down the stretch. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think 
of the two, I prefer St. Louis, but I, I'm, I'm really curious to see where this line moves. Uh, and I feel like it would probably move that way, but ultimately it depends on, I guess, how much Drake love there is out there. All right, let's get into best bets. Oh, and two, like I said, unacceptable around here. We got to, we got to pick it up. Uh, you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the choice. You want to go first or second this week? Uh, let, let's switch it up. I went first last time and, uh, didn't go great for the pod. So, uh, let, let's lead off, uh, with you and until we start getting everything going. All right. Let's see what I can put together here. I, I'm going to go with Wyoming. Uh, the, the Ken Palm projection right now is plus two. I, 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 I think plus one, I feel the same way. I, I think inside a possession, I feel the same way. Uh, Wyoming plus two against Stanford and I'm back to the well here with the Cowboys and they've, They've looked great in basically every game but the Arizona game, and we just talked about Arizona. No one's faulting them for that. Arizona's like Arizona is. A, they may end up being the best team in the country. I I say that, and it sounds it might sound crazy considering what people thought they were going to be coming in, but they're incredible. Stanford is really good at one thing, which is being big, and that's just not enough against this Wyoming team. They've got the size to match them, and I. I watched Stanford today against Texas. They're way too sloppy with the ball. They're giving up a steal on over 12% of their possessions, 328th in the country, 12% in a steal. In contrast, Wyoming allows a steal on less than 6% of their possessions, second nationally. So if you've got a team that's turning it over constantly, isn't going to bully their way into extra possessions on the glass, it's it's a good recipe for an ugly game. And this Stanford team... They also sit at 323rd nationally in Ken Palm's experience rating. Four of their top five minute getters are, are underclassmen. And the fact that this game is Christmas week in Hawaii doesn't bode well for a team that's not used to such distractions. Wyoming is tested. They're 3-1 they're and one away from home this season. Stanford in road or neutral games, 0-4. Oh so I like, you know, I, I've said before, I like this Wyoming team. I, I think they're very well coached. I think that they, they're very disciplined. Uh, they, they appreciate that it's important to make threes and not give up easy threes. I, I, I love the way they defend. I'm going to take Wyoming plus two, plus one. Uh, like I said, anything above, anything pick them or above, I'm going to be on the Cowboys here for my best bet. Yeah, I think Stanford, uh, you, you talking about their turnover or their love for turning the ball over um, reminds me of a brutal loss I took last year against Arizona State. And I feel like they're one of those teams that can't deal with pressure. And ultimately, I'm kind of surprised that Jared Haas is still there. I mean, Johnny Dawkins got let go so much quick with, with so much more success, in my opinion. Um, but they're a team that are, are kind of ripe for the picking. Thought about backing them against Baylor this year. Really happy I didn't. And I think they made a late comeback today against Texas Tech, but also, or excuse me, against my alma mater, the University of Texas. Let me let me make sure not to mess that up. Um, but yeah, they're they're not a team that I want to back at least for a long time until I see that they have some sort of because they lost a lot from their team last year, and I feel like they haven't been that impressive. Yeah. All right. Where are you going for your best bet? I'm going to go with Liberty. Uh, they are also on a neutral floor, uh, I think, in the same tournament uh, in Hawaii, you know, uh, in the islands. Hopefully uh, none of our families hate each other or us by then. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play Liberty. Uh, you, the the A.J. Swami projected pick em. Uh I'll say uh, if Liberty climbs even to anything below a three-point favorite, I'm pretty interested in, in backing them. As I, I, they're playing Northern Iowa, who are – 
uh, a team that are, are, are really looking to try to space the floor and shoot three pointers. Uh, Liberty does sometimes fall into that. Their three point defense has not been great this year, but I feel like that's overrating Northern Iowa in, in the projection systems and the metrics for this one. Uh, and ultimately, I, I don't think these teams are that similar. I think Northern Iowa have uh, a, a team that I, I think can beat some some less talented uh, teams that they run up against. But I don't think Liberty, despite being a mid-major, uh, I think they're a powerhouse in the mid-majors. And they're one of those teams that really spread you out, play a, a kind of a weird inverted offense, and really get easy buckets that uh, are really hard to defend. They're going to make Northern Iowa score with them. I don't believe that Northern Iowa can shoot three well enough to hang around. Uh, and I'm, I was pretty surprised to see the projections that had this this low. So uh, as a small favorite, I'm looking at, at Liberty to hopefully get me off the, the schneid. All right, so there you go, Wyoming and Liberty for your best bets. I think both games on Wednesday out in Hawaii, as we said. All right, Griffin, let's get it together, man. Uh, appreciate you as always. Thanks to McKenzie for getting in. McKenzie, by the way, has an NBA podcast. McKenzie, what, day, what days are your NBA podcast released? Same days as ours? No, uh, Friday like yours, but instead of Monday, Tuesday, that way you get the TNT games. Thank you for the shout out. Yeah, there you go. So you can catch that in the same feed. Uh, so if you're into NBA betting, they're doing a great job with that. And again, we will. Uh, this is Sunday, so our next episode will be uh, will be Thursday. I guess that's geez, that's a uh, Christmas Eve Eve. And then we will probably, uh, I think we'll probably take the day after Christmas off. So we'll uh, we'll be back at it the next the next Wednesday as well. So or uh, excuse me, the next the next Thursday as well. So Griffin, uh, I will talk to you later on this week. Appreciate you, man. Enjoy the holiday, Mackenzie. Thank you, and thanks to all you guys for listening. We will talk to you guys soon. Two and zero. Here we come. Mm-hmm.